last time Americans saw a notable third-party candidate in a presidential race was Ross Perot back in 1992. Perot was an independent candidate during the 92 presidential election. A billionaire from Texarkana, unsatisfied with the way both parties were running the country. Now, after making his fortune from his company, Electronic Data Systems, in 1962, he decided that enough was enough and went head-to-head against Republican powerhouse George H.W. Bush and the Lewinsky-loving Bill Clinton. And he lost. See, many look back at Ross Perot as a symbol, a symbol of hope, a symbol that Americans yearn for change that our two-party system simply cannot offer us. But the truth is, he failed. You see, Perot only received 18.9% of the vote in 1992, and not a single electoral college vote at that. In 1996, when he ran again as a member of the Reform Party, his share of the electorate dropped to about 8.4% of the popular vote. Now, some historians argue that Perot is the reason why Clinton won, serving as a sort of spoiler candidate against Bush. But the exit polls and voter studies paint a very different picture. You see, the data suggests that Perot stole more votes from would-be Clinton voters than he did from Bush's camp, cementing that not only was Perot a failure in a successful sense, but he didn't even fail successfully, if that makes sense. And America was then left with a president whose record includes a failed Chinese trade policy, the Waco siege, several gates such as Travel Gate, File Gate, and Pardon Gate, and, well, of course, Little Miss Monica. Now, despite my harsh criticism of Perot's so-called importance to independent candidates, he still came closer than many independents and third-party candidates before him, especially in recent time. And I believe that his record may be broken. Broken by a Democrat who is rumored to run as an independent. That Democrat and possibly former Democrat, of course, is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Many speculate that RFK is planning to announce that he's going to change paths to his path of the victory to presidency. And I don't blame him. See, the the fact of the matter is, he is not getting that Democratic nomination. There is no way that the DNC is going to allow Biden to lose against RFK. And look... Even if they had absolutely no say in it, which they do, I I mean, he's barely a Democrat in what the new sense of a Democrat is. The extreme wing of the party, the, the, the AOCs of the world, they are the future of the Democratic Party. And, you know, RFK Jr., while certainly not a conservative, I mean, he's he's painted as a vax denier now, you know. Anyone in this day and age is now a vaccinator if, if they simply question the effectiveness or, or, or the long term, y- you know, effects of a vaccine. I, I don't think that's fair to him, but that's what it is. And the media, the mainstream media, of course, they will always be behind their Democratic brethren. And of course, they want nothing to do with RFK because he's anti-establishment. He's anti-Biden. He's anti a lot of things that the new progressive Democratic Party are for. 
So it makes sense that he wants to be an independent. And I think this will be his Ross Perot moment. Maybe even a more successful one. So it is almost confirmed now that come 2024, when you go to that ballot, there will be three major candidates. Now, I doubt that they're going to let RFK debate, though we live in the height of the information age at the moment, so that may not even be necessary. I think independent outlets and, you know, Twitter or X spaces would serve much better for debates, especially after seeing the absolute dumpster fire that was both GOP debates. But let me paint a different picture. Let me introduce an alternate scenario and explain how we can get there. President Biden versus RFK Jr. versus Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump. And I well and truly believe that this will happen next year. It's not the most realistic scenario. It may not even be the most ideal scenario. I happen to think it is. Competition is a good thing. It's a great thing, isn't it? Everyone wins when there's more options. And frankly, there should be. I hate living under a two-party system. And I know lots of Americans feel that. It just so happens that the two-party system controls every everything, essentially. Now, in terms of institutions, the Democrats more so than the Republicans as of late, but they both go hand in hand in making sure that there is no competition. Now, how exactly do we get to this hypothetical four-way presidential race? Well, it's very simple, actually, and some of the building blocks are already in place. You see, back in August of this year, former President Trump declared that he was not going to sign the GOP's pledge to not run and get behind the candidate who would win the nomination. Now, of course, Trump is well within even over 50% for clinching that GOP nomination, but it's, it's still early in the race. You never know. Back in, I believe it was 2008, well before McCain became the nominee, Rudy Giuliani was leading in the polls. Uh, someone can fact check me on that. I may have my election wrong, but I do believe it was 08. So let's say for a minute, since Trump doesn't sign this pledge, that someone else gets the nomination. Then what? Now you may be saying to yourself, well, if Trump's at 50% plus right now in the GOP polls, how could he not? Well, there is one candidate that can beat him. It being early or not, and that is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He is the only other viable candidate. And that is a fact. I know there are people that like Vivek. I like Vivek Ramaswamy a lot too. He's losing to DeSantis. There are people that like Nikki Haley. I don't know why. I think, frankly, she's very annoying. She's losing to Ron DeSantis. Same goes for Chris Christie. 
Same goes for Mike Pence. Same goes for Tim Scott. Asa Hutchinson might as well not even be in this race anymore. But DeSantis has a shot, especially if these other GOP candidates step down. And frankly, I think that they should. Let's go down the list. Why are there other candidates racing to win this nomination against Trump? It's because they believe they're the better candidate. And in a lot of cases, such as Mike Pence and Chris Christie, they believe that Trump should be the last person on earth to be back in office. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with that stance, but those are the facts. Let's take Chris Christie, a mid-governor from New Jersey, former governor. He's in this race for vengeance. He's in this race because Trump annihilated him throughout the 2016 election and just in general. I mean, Trump straight up disrespected this guy. And he wants his revenge, which is a very stupid reason to be running for president, especially against DeSantis. If Christie well and truly believes that Trump is not a viable candidate, that Trump is not the answer for this country, then he would find the self-respect in that very large and round body of his and step down. If everyone else stepped down and let it be DeSantis versus Trump, I have quite the big feeling that DeSantis would get the nomination. Let's attack the other candidates while we're at it. Mike Pence, he's old and he's old school. You know, he's not very likable. He wasn't crazy likable as VP. He wasn't unlikable either. He's kind of mid. Nikki Haley, despite being very annoying, she dropped like $130,000 for curtains for the State Department or something. So we're not talking about a very fiscally responsible leader. Again, Vivek is great, but I got to agree with with Ben Shapiro and some other uh, analysts on this. It feels like he's running for the for the notoriety. It feels like he's only running so he gets a spot in Trump's cabinet. Maybe he's the VP ticket. Maybe he runs for Senate. You know, starts a podcast, starts a new political party. I don't know. But it doesn't feel like he's really running to be president. And whilst I like Vivek, a lot of the key issues that he campaigns on, you know, a a lot of his education reform stances, his voter reform stances, especially wanting to make the public take a civics test and possibly raise the age to 25. These are things that would be done in the legislature, not in the executive. Now, Obama has showed us that, you know, an executive order is a very powerful thing. But regardless, Vivek would have a hard time getting the things he wants to get done at the executive branch. But if he were a member of the legislature... 
he could do all the reform he wants. I mean, he, he would need the other votes, but he's an entrepreneur. He's a businessman. He, he's a negotiator. Imagine Vivek Ramaswamy as Speaker of the House. He would certainly be better, at least get more done than, say, Kevin McCarthy. He'd be way more likable than Nancy Pelosi. And him as a senator, I mean, the bar is really low right now. Who do we have? We had uh, Diane Feinstein, may she rest in peace. Cocaine Mitch, he, he's getting a lot of freeze-ups lately. Chuck Schumer, who just, if you like look at his Instagram, I mean, he, he almost looks like the embodiment of evil. I'm, I've never been crazy about Chuck. And what, John Fetterman, right? He's one of the latest. The guy that shows up to work up until recently in dirty Carhartt and, you know, can barely speak coherently. That's that's the bar for a senator. Vivek would excel in the legislature. And I think that's where he belongs. I think that if, again, if Vivek really thinks that America first is not just a Trump thing, if Christian Pence think that Trump is not the answer. If Nikki Haley would stop being so annoying, these candidates should step down and let Governor DeSantis do his thing and duke it out with Trump. Now, this is not me endorsing DeSantis, though I quite like him. This is not me knocking Trump. I I voted for him in 2020. Full disclosure. And... I think both candidates would be better than President Biden. But if they're really serious about it, why not step down? Because if they do, I guarantee you, DeSantis will get that Republican nomination. Now, if he gets the nomination, then what? You think Trump's just going to sit there idly, clap his small hands and say, all right, everyone, you know, Make America great again, again with Ron. What does he call him? Ron de Sanctimonious, Ron de Sanctus. Absolutely not. Hell would freeze over before he would allow that. He didn't sign that pledge. And he's following the rules since not signing the pledge. He has not gone to either Republican debate. The RNC is scratching their heads right now. He is in a great position to launch his own party or also run as an independent. And I think if DeSantis gets the nomination, he will do just that. Why wouldn't he? He is is Donald Trump. We had him as a president for four years. We know what he's like. Now, again, the only way for that to happen is if for, is for DeSantis to win. And things could change, but as far as I'm concerned, DeSantis' only path to victory is if the other candidates kind of create a Iran coalition and, and get behind him. But if that happened, of, of course Trump would, want as an, would run as an independent. Of, of course he would. Of course he would. And that would be great. I mean, optics aside, you know, entertainment-wise, 
that would be amazing, but it would give the American people more choice. And, you know, I, I think as the parties go through shifts and they become more divisive, uh, you know, they divide more within themselves. I, I think it's realistic. Again, I think that's really good. Four candidates, each sides of the political spectrum, but not on the same side of each side. You, you got Biden all the way on the left. RFK, we'll call him center left. On the other side, DeSantis, modern but traditional conservative. And Trump is Trump. You really can't put him on a spectrum. He is super Republican one day. He's somewhere in the middle the next day. He believes in some of the more progressive liberal stuff uh, from a social setting. A little more libertarian sometimes. You you know, he, he really is all over the place. But for the sake of painting the picture, we'll put him on center right. I don't believe he's center right, but that's where we'll put him. Now, in this hypothetical four-way matchup, I could absolutely see how one would say to themselves, well, well, wait a minute, Javon. You've got two conservatives, a liberal that some conservatives like, and then Joe Biden, who is a leftist, maybe not on his own accord, but hard-leaning leftist nevertheless. How could this not be a guaranteed Biden victory? And one would not be wrong to think that way. I mean, let's, let's break it down, right? Trump versus DeSantis. The Republican vote is split. Now, Republicans at the moment are a bit split themselves anyways. You have the more traditional Republicans and the more, I don't want to use the term moderate, but I I guess that, that that is what it is, isn't it? That may not be the biggest fans of Trump, but voted for him back in 2016 because it was either that or Hillary. And then you have the Trump base of Republicans. The people that the current president calls the MAGA Republicans. The MAGA Republicans are going to come and destroy our democracy. Or whatever it is he babbles on about. Doddering old fool. But that is assuming that the majority of the country, at least a slight majority would would want Biden regardless. Lest we forget, 2020 was not an election for Joe Biden. Joe Biden, they say, he's the most popular candidate ever. And I guess from a numbers game, that is technically correct. But that makes Trump the second most popular candidate ever. And yet 2020 was nothing more than a referendum on Donald Trump. That's all that it was. People didn't come out in droves for the 80-something-year-old that could barely speak, that can barely walk. They weren't excited about that. 
but they were excited to get Trump out of office. Trump in 2020 became America's Hillary Clinton. That is a fact. Not in the sense of what Hillary has done, the terrible, terrible things she's done, Benghazi, the Clinton Foundation, and Haiti. I mean, I, I could make an entire episode about why Hillary Clinton is a bad person, but that's not what this is about. No, no, no. Trump became Hillary in 2020 because back when Trump ran against Hillary, people voted for Trump because he wasn't Hillary. And in 2020, people voted for Biden because he wasn't Trump. So now, with four candidates, the never-Trumpers, or at least the people that were sick of Trump, well, they have two other choices. They could go for DeSantis, or they could go for RFK, who again, whilst anti-establishment is not a conservative. The people who simply made a mistake with Biden, those modern independents, which admittedly are rare, they might just go back to Trump. I doubt it, but it's not impossible. You see, with four candidates, it's a lot harder to have a referendum on anyone. Now, in a two-way matchup, this election will be a referendum on Joe Biden. Absolutely. He is grossly unpopular. He will not admit that America is in a recession, despite, I mean, if you know what a recession is, that's exactly where we're at. Americans can't afford groceries. They can't afford gas. They can't afford their electric bill. They can't afford their mortgage, their rent. Interest rates are sky high. Goods and services are at some of the most expensive prices we've ever seen. Definitely the most expensive I've ever seen since becoming a member of the working class. So Biden versus Trump or Biden versus DeSantis and that's it. Of course, this will be a referendum on him. Four candidates. We're going to go back to the basics. I mean, it will literally be how any election should be. Who is best to fit the job? Not voting against someone, but voting for someone. Now, this election, like lots of elections before it, will come down to just a handful of states. That's just the way the Electoral College works. We know Texas will go to a Republican. We know California will go to a Democrat. That's obvious. But now in this hypothetical, to which conservative and to which liberal? And furthermore, what will the deciding states go with? The expected deciders for this election coming up is Georgia, who in the midterms, just about every single Trump-backed candidate lost, 
despite still being a somewhat red state. I mean, their governor is a Republican after all. He's not a Trump Republican, but he is a Republican. In this four-way, that could go to DeSantis. Arizona, red to blue in 2020. Maybe it stays blue, but maybe it doesn't go to Biden. Maybe the voters during the referendum decide, hey, we definitely don't want another Republican, but this RFK guy, I mean, how bad can he be? And then you have the so-called blue wall states, right? Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. These states have voted in unison since 1992. Those states total 44 electoral votes, which is a big deal. Now, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, swing states, kind of. I mean, yeah, yes, they, they should be blue states, but they did swing for Trump in 2016, so anything is possible. Maybe this is the year that they break their little three-way. Maybe Michigan goes Biden and Wisconsin goes RFK and Pennsylvania goes Trump or you switch those around. I don't know. But to suggest that RFK and Trump or RFK and DeSantis would solidify a Biden victory. Again, I don't think it's a bad way of thinking, but I think that's a little unfair to suggest. I think that a little more would play into that. You know, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 1912 is knocking on my door and they're saying, hey, we want our presidential election back. We'll see a Taft v. Wilson v. Roosevelt v. Deb situation again. Right, remember, all the way back when, if you paid attention in a push, Taft and Roosevelt split the Republican vote, which caused Woodrow Wilson to win. But I think that the America of today is, well, I mean, everyone would agree with, with, with this statement that the America of today is vastly different from the America of 1912. And whilst looking back on history to predict the future can be effective, the political climate of modern America is vastly different from the political climate then. This scenario, this hypothetical, it's certainly fun to imagine. It's certainly fun to picture. But I wouldn't throw it out as just that. I wouldn't look to this episode as you would an episode from Alternate History Hub. Keep a close eye on the election. Keep a close eye on the GOP's move, on RFK's next move, and on Trump's next move. Because this is all very real. This could all really actually happen. And I don't think that's a bad thing. As I wrap up today's episode, I'd like you to ask yourself something. Are you truly content with the prevailing two-party system governing our political landscape? Is this the opportune moment to usher in transformative change? Or does America's turbulence make the prospect of a four-way electoral contest 
exceedingly audacious. My name is Javon Taylor Evans. This has been the first episode of the Javi Hour. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.